Hey, what's up everybody? This is Dr. Andy Wilczek. So this week we've got a special episode of Untenure Tracks. This is a crossover episode with Dr. Mike Dando's Comic School. Uh, and so you're going to hear Mike and I interviewing Dr. Krista Gehring from the University of Houston downtown. And it was really hard for me just now to, have to make like a downtown. <laughs> it's one of those days. Pandemic. It's uh, doing stuff. So <laughs> anyway... Please enjoy this special crossover episode of Untenured Tracks and Comic School. and I are joined uh, by a very special guest, Dr. Krista Gehring. How are you doing, Krista? I'm great. How are you guys doing? <laughs> Surviving. I know, right? <laughs> you, all, you almost don't know what to ask, you know, during this time. Like, how are you doing? I mean, I don't know anymore. So I'm in my basement. Uh, Same. So let's go give it back. Same. Yeah. Also in my basement. <laughs> We don't have basements in Texas, so. Yeah. yeah. I, I always forget that there are places that don't have basements, and it's. I, I miss basements. When I lived in Kansas, we had a sweet one, but here we yeah. don't. There's no basement with, like, the rec room situation, you know, and I miss it. But it floods here, so that's why we don't have them. I was going to say, if you yeah. had a basement, you would also have an underwater, <laughs> underground pool. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it definitely would. Yep. Which is an ideal for foundations. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so Krista, do you want to talk a little bit about your work and why uh, we're doing this matchup today? Sure. Uh, my work, it's called Crim Comics, and it's actually a series of criminology comic books. And each issue covers sort of a major theory or sort of a major movement or a group of theories that uh, talk about why people commit crime. And the reason that I created or sort of came up with Crim Comics was because I was teaching criminology to undergrads and I was so excited about theory. I wanted to talk to them about theory. It's so interesting to me. That was one of the reasons why I got into this field. And my students didn't share my enthusiasm. <laughs> so I thought, you know, what could I do to bring these theories into life? And I am a comic book fan. I I read comics. I sort of got into the comic book um, realm a little later in life. I was in my mid-20s when I finally sort of walked into a comic book store. And, um, you know, I gravitated toward what I knew. I'm a child of the 80s, so I grew up watching the Super Friends. So I went to Justice League of America and, you know, read all of those comics. And then I discovered that there were other comics and graphic novels that had such amazing, brilliant stories. You know, these writers were so 
fantastic, whether it was Neil Gaiman, you know, Sandman or Alan Moore, everything that he had written. And I realized like, wow, this is writing and art together. Like, how can you not love that? So, you know, in having that be in my background and a hobby, I thought, oh, why don't, why, how can I somehow create criminology comic books? And fortunately, when I went to Northeastern University to get my master's degree, I met a fellow student. His name is Mike Batista. And we had um, gone out one night, you know, after probably statistics or something. And I remember him saying like, oh, I wish I could have my own comic. And at the time, I was, I had a, I have a bachelor's in English. So I was very much, I loved to write poetry and stories. And we started working together. And then once, you know, we graduated, we sort of went our separate ways. And when this idea came about, I called them up and I said, what do you think about criminology comic books? And he said, I think this is what we're meant to do. So, um, you know, we, he's the artist. I am not that talented. <laughs> I, I write the script and I basically sort of tell him what to draw and, you know, page one, panel one, and give him the description of everything that sort of flows throughout the book. And I create the captions and the, you know, word balloons and sort of come up with the stories. And it's so crazy to me because when I hand him the script when he draws it and I see it it's like oh it's totally supposed to look like that mm -hmm. we have very few conversations about no I want it to look like this and when he draws it it's like yep that's and so I'm very blessed that I have a partner and a co-author that we work so well together mm -hmm. so um you know, and, and having these comic books, I think initially people are like, oh, what is that? That's not scholarly or, but it is. I mean, it's not like we're having Mickey Mouse, you know, talk about these theories. I mean, basically what it is, you were talking about history earlier. Um, what I found so fascinating about theory is that if you learn theory within the context of what's going on socially, culturally, politically, then it makes it a lot easier to understand why people think about crime a certain way at this particular moment in time, as opposed to, you know, a textbook that just has a laundry list of all of these different theories and there's no context. So comics, um, that's one thing that allows us, you know, really well to sort of put it in that socio-historical context and really tell the stories about these theories and these theorists and what was going on at the time and, you know, why this theory came out at this moment in time, you know, in American history. That's so cool. That is uh, a challenge I've had teaching criminology, uh, wanting to come in and just dork out about stuff. I find myself not even wanting to say theory anymore. Like I'm, I become very reluctant to, to name the theory until after we've talked about the mechanisms like at length um in a very very basic way like what are things that stress you out what was your relationship like with your parents you know and then kind of bring it back around to say like well this is social control and this is strain and uh like i really agree with that we need to do a better job of putting it into context too because 
again, like just listing it, I, I tell them like, we're going to spend 10 weeks and I'm going to blast you with a fire hose <laughs> for two thirds of the semester of, of these ideas. And it's going to be very overwhelming without any kind of context. So it sounds uh, really cool that you're, you're giving that to them. And what I've learned too, just in trying to do my own faculty development is that students have, don't have to know everything. You know, when you get a textbook, it's so much within that textbook. And for me, I like, I want them to know like the greatest hits, like the most important theories, the ones that have been tested the most, the ones that you can develop policies and laws and programs based on. And I think a lot of times some instructors get bogged down with like, oh, I've got 15 weeks. I've got to teach all of this stuff. And nine times out of 10, the students aren't going to remember it, especially if they're sort of reading it um, within a textbook that is, you know, not as engaging or a little dry. I mean, I think textbooks have gotten a lot better in trying to engage. There's a lot of pictures here. Click on this link. Go here because they realize like there needs to be some sort of interaction and comics, you know, presenting the material that way, it does it automatically. Mm-hmm. You know, when you read a comic, it's a very sort of interactive exercise. You know, you're actively reading, you're looking at the words, you're looking at the images, you're trying to create this story or this context and putting it all together as you're reading. Whereas I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read a textbook, I get to the bottom of the page and I'm like, I have no idea what I just read, you know? (laughs) And I have to go and read it again. And you know, what I've read is that it, that means your brain is bored, you know, because you're thinking about other things. But when you read comics, there's definitely kind of no room for that because you actively have to make sense of um, everything that you're reading on that page. Mm-hmm. As long as it's well done, right? As long as it's well done, right? <laughs> it would not be if I did my little stick figure drawings. I mean, yep. thank, thank goodness I've got a great artist. Uh-huh. So yeah, um, I I, took, I don't know how many times it took me to to get through Days of Future Past. <laughs> just I could not penetrate that book and forever to do it and then i finally did it and was like i don't get it <laughs> What's the, the movie was better <laughs> this right. is, definitely the hype is a little bit much here but i mean like i mean mike and i talked about this a couple of weeks ago that's a, a drawback with like a lot of mainstream comics that have so much history is that it can be so uh difficult right for new people to step in um because you where do you start and if you're reading issues that have like all the asterisks, like refer to this episode or this edition or issue, whatever, like right. I'm not trying to do work. <laughs> okay. I don't want to go out and buy another one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, that Marvel does. Uh, Marvel wants to go out and buy another one. Exactly. Um, and 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 that that's that's actually very interesting, Andy, uh, that you, that you said that about um, Days of Future Past because I would be very I, I would I would think that would be a a gold mine for criminology, or at least uh, oh, yeah. in terms of incarceration, in terms of, of human rights. And um, I mean, it's not, there's one thing the X-Men have never been accused of. Is it having a oh, light touch? Yeah. Yeah, for um, sure. I found for, so for that one, I found the coloring very off-putting. 
Yeah. It was like uh, a very so specific that, complaint. Okay, a study, yeah, the story I get. I mean, I thought the I thought I did think the movie did it better. Like I I thought it was better executed there. Um that it was just all hate mail to uh <laughs> we'll put your email in the show notes. That's fine. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, please. As if I don't have enough going on <laughs> right now. If that's what gets me canceled is that Listen, if the nerds want to come for me about that, wait until I like go Not listen to my the Hugh Jackman army. <laughs> Hey, I, I went on record for another podcast a couple of weeks ago saying that the, the Disney Star Wars movies are probably the best ones of the entire franchise. So I'm, <laughs> I'm using my privilege for good is how I think of it. <laughs> uh, so I have a question um, in terms of I, I've got a, from a sem, uh, I don't want to get too nerdy, but from no, just sort nerdy. of a, a semiotic standpoint, right? Or or just this idea of how things represent other things. Um, have you? How has crime been represented over time in comics? Right, because and I'm, I'm thinking particularly like action comics. Number one, Superman. Superman. Right. Okay. As soon as he's done being a baby, lifting a couch over his head, um, <laughs> within two pages is like def- def- trying to like get somebody off death row. Um, he's going to like tenement housing, stopping domestic abuse, and then to finish off in the afternoon, decides to go uproot government corruption. Right, right? and it's all positioned as anti what should happen. And I don't want to. And and I'm mm. not. A, I'm not that kind of doctor, okay? <laughs> I, I look at... Did you play just, one on TV? Well, no, I should not be allowed on TV. You'll notice this is a podcast. <laughs> right, right, um, but, but, you know, for me, I, I study education and I study, uh, you know, semiotics and I study rhetoric. Um, and so for you, how have you seen, if at all, what crime or crime theory... Um, positioned in in comics at large but not by the ones that you've written necessarily but like when you see batman yeah. fighting fighting crime in gotham which is always dark and rainy um <laughs> even if it's tuesday and it's spring um, <laughs> does that make sense does my question yes. no. like, how, is, no, how, does. Crime, how is crime framed because it seems political it can be i mean i think it depends on what you're reading Um, You know, you talk about Superman, which is a very different sort of symbol than Batman. You know, Superman is truth, justice, the American way. He is very sort of, um, to put this this nicely, he's not as interesting as, say, someone (laughs) like Batman, in my opinion. Please send um, all your hate mail to no, please don't. <laughs> but, but I'm a Batman fan, so of course I'm going to be. I'm a very, I'm a DC Comics fan. So when you just look at the juxtaposition between Superman and Batman, it's very different. You know, a lot of Batman's, I'm sorry, a lot of Superman's threats come from another world. So you have a lot of the crime or chaos or whatever coming from other planets or other dimensions or whatever. And Superman is there to protect us, protect. Um, Threats are external to. Right, they're external. Society. 
which is interesting because, and I was trying to tell this to some of my friends the other day, and they were not buying it. But I said, you know, Superman is an immigrant. I mean, he is from another planet. He's come to Earth, and he is totally this embodiment of, you know, what immigrants and, you know, this sort of American dream. And like I said, true justice and the American way and his costume has, you know, red and blue on it. And they weren't buying it. But I'm like, look, that's that's really sort of the rhetoric around him. And that's a really sort of very positive portrayal of immigrants, you know. And when you you have an immigrant that has come from Krypton and then all of these threats are outside and trying to disrupt like Metropolis. He always restores order. Whereas with Batman, all of the threats are internal. They're all from Gotham and Gotham is this very dark. It's this very sort of um, urban decay underbelly and even though it's exaggerated i feel like batman may portray crime a bit more realistic <clears throat> because it's are way internal more there's drug kingpins there's um I mean, granted but it's you know, we don't about, have whether it's batman or superman or anything else it's like always that. about establishing order and it's about um maintaining the status quo and it's also about punishment and retribution. So very, it's very seldom that you will read a comic book and the criminal or the crime is treated as um, this is a result of social factors and we need to rehabil rehabilitate this criminal. Oftentimes, criminals are portrayed as, you know, evil. They make these really criminal choices. We need to lock them up, you know, do whatever. There's not a lot of sympathy. So it's a very interesting that when you have this portrayal of crime in comics, even though a lot of comics can be very sort of ideologically liberal, especially Marvel, you know, Marvel and a lot of the things that they've addressed and have gone on, you know, especially concerning like differences and, you know, having the mutants be a proxy of, you know, other types of things that are going on in our society. There's still that notion of retribution and punishment. Um, and that's just how it's been, you know, ever since Superman, I think, lifted that car over his head you know and then when you get into the really fascinating um comics that were all about crime especially in the 1950s when you had ec comics coming out you know there was something i think there was one called crime doesn't pay um and then you get you know even the horror comics i mean horror is about crime you know <laughs> like there's a death or yes something crazy going on and um you know those comics there's always some retribution whoever the criminal is in the end gets their comeuppance you know so um that's what i have seen about how crime is represented in comics so that's super interesting so first like i would really encourage your friends who don't believe that superman is an immigrant story to like 
research why Superman became popular whenever. Yeah. Like Superman. Well, yeah. and, what should we name him? I know Cal L. <laughs> That's what we'll name him. But like, yeah. I mean, what what year did Superman come out? When did when? Nineteen thirty eight. Okay, so you had uh, by that point, like the second, maybe third generation of like a lot of Italian, Irish, Polish kids living in the big cities, and then right. descendants of that, I guess, so called first generation of like English and Dutch colonists by that point had made it to the midwest right so like putting this immigrant in kansas like it's a very strategic choice and he's white he's got a chiseled jaw <laughs> he's basically like, a... like us which like <laughs> oh you know yeah surprisingly aliens look like humans you know? <laughs> who'd have thunk it they yeah like yep. alien, they look like human weightlifters <laughs> yeah. you know um, outside of, of world war ii yeah right you're you're right butting up against a, yeah. a, a, a global conflict right and so that's why i was one of the reasons i was i was thinking about it is the i was thinking about the overlap um between crime uh, mm -hmm. crime studies crime theory right um and comics and thinking about how um violence for example is positioned as either good or bad right mm -hmm. there's a, a very famous cover of batman and robin and superman like riding a turret on a battleship right <laughs> in in like, like 1940 and they're like yeah. it's like the super like the super happy guys right yeah they're like, this, it's not grimdark batman this is no. batman and the boy wonder <laughs> they're gleefully riding this instrument of war <laughs> but it's okay <laughs> Because it's our instrument of war, yeah. right? And so I'm not making. I'm just looking at how violence, yeah, yeah, yeah. How how violence and crime are positioned as either necessary or not. Um, how it is a criminal act versus not, um, and how that is positioned in um, in in media over time. And I think that that uh, you've you've hit on some really interesting things um, in terms of, especially to by by today. I don't mean the colloquial today. I mean today as in in Tuesday, order has a very law and order yeah. have very <laughs> dun dun. Oh. Um, it doesn't like yeah. the Dick Wolf series. Um, except, I mean, it is. It is. But it has a very different connotation today <laughs> than like, it did on, in the to Tuesday afternoon than it has maybe uh, even since uh, maybe Nixon um, or 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 maybe maybe Reagan. Um, you know, I'm thinking just U.S. policy. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm one, that's that's why I was wondering how we can think about crime over time. Yeah. Um, and the, another question I had is, how are superheroes good at at fighting crime, and 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 how are they bad at it? <laughs> like, right? Because I've and right, like my question is not like is Batman successful. Right, because at the end of the day, whether it's Batman sixty six, whether it's Adam West like stopping a giant magnet, <laughs> or whatever the whatever the heck is happening with what Caesar Romero and his mustache are up to, versus um, you know I'm thinking um, uh, Spider Man in twenty twenty twenty, right? Are they are they good at fight? Are they are are they good at fighting crime? Are they bad? At, are they bad at it? Um, What's your, what's your take? Gosh, I've never, I've I've never it, thought about, I've never right? thought about this, but. You can define good mm -hmm. and bad as, as however you want. Um, 
I'm just interested to hear, you know, the dynamic duo fighting crime. It's like, well, I mean, you're you're doing property damage, but I don't know if you're fighting crime. Right? Like, what is your take on that? I mean, if you're <clears throat> in order to fight crime, it means that you capture the criminals and put them away, right? And if you I, did I, that, I don't know. I'm not the kind of doctor. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah I just, no, I mean, if you if you fight crime, you capture the criminals, you put them in jail, and they are punished. But when you're talking about a medium that tells stories, when you put all the criminals in prison, then there's no there's nothing mm-hmm. else for your hero yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe yeah, like smoking. Like, right. <laughs> you know? Which is important. I war bonds. Like, I think the thing is, is that maybe um, heroes aren't good at fighting crime so that uh, people can still continue to create comics and tell more stories. Because if everybody's locked up in Arkham Asylum, what's Batman going to do? Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, you, I don't know. And Batman supposedly doesn't kill anybody, right? And neither he does Superman. guns after about two, about a year or two. Like the first couple of, the first couple, he's like, I'm the shadow, but I'm wearing a Da Vinci cape. And then they're like, oh, we got to drop the guns there, friend. Yeah. Yeah. But, so yeah, I don't point. know. I think I don't. I don't know if they're good at fighting crime. I think it's entertainment, you know. And I think that um, there's always a criminal on the horizon for a new day, or else there wouldn't be any more stories, and yeah. there wouldn't be any more lessons learned. Because sometimes a lot of these are sort of moralistic and even cautionary tales, yeah. you know. So. Um, I I think you kinda, want me to go on record to say that superheroes are bad at fighting crime. <laughs> I will, I will. No, I'll go. I'll go even harder than that. I think they're. Oh, ter- nice. I think. I think they're terrible at it. Because <laughs> I feel like I want this to go inside my. This is my copy of of Discipline and Punish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that ha- that is a part of it's part of my my studies. But I feel like there's a part of it that is in. Um, comics as well mm-hmm. so sorry I didn't mean to... oh no worries yeah i think i think they're terrible at it like i think they chris is right by definition in order to get people to buy more comics they have to be bad at it right but just like taking batman for example batman might be the worst hero ever <laughs> in terms of the the stated uh mission of his job versus how he executes it horrible <laughs> put the criminals in jail like if bruce wayne wanted to clean up gotham he doesn't need to put on the on the cowl. He needs to spend his money. <laughs> That's, he needs to do a jobs program. He needs to to come right. up. Wayne Tech need, or Wayne Enterprises needs to have like uh, a green a Gotham area project. That's what <laughs> uh, yeah, green energy. You know, like he he doesn't do anything about that, and instead is just like beating up guys. They go to Arkham, then they immediately break out of Arkham. Sure. Right. <laughs> Arkham is like, I mean, people today, or at least for the last, what, 30 years have joked about how American prisons are just a revolving door. Arkham Asylum really is just a revolving door. Black gay prison, like nobody does a day. Um, 
and and it just on and on. Batman's had his partners killed <laughs> by accident. Yes. <laughs> yes, by Joker and by these other people. And he you know? doesn't care, really. Like, he just uses it for more opportunities to kind of brood and then uh, just continue doing things poorly. He's a bad team player. He's not good in a group. He's, he doesn't delegate well. He's, right. He keeps secrets from people. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. not... Not good at his. Not good at it. Welcome to the Batman hate hour. Yeah. Oh, oh I mean, I, 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 I did used to. Re- I, I mean, I would put Batman versus the Joker as like one of my favorite American myths. I think it's really fascinating, but I don't. I draw the line there. Like there, there are men our age, right, who are obsessed with Batman, who would. If they could physically, they would try to be Batman, right? And I don't think they realize that Batman sucks at his job, like, immensely. Right. Well, I thought that was interesting in that Christopher Nolan film, the, sec- the, the second one, where, like, everyone, all those guys are dressing up as yep. Batman, and they're just actively getting their butts kicked. Yep. It's like, well, that's real. Yeah. Uh, I know that guy. That guy, that's Steve. <laughs> Steve, get off the screen. I think that taps into something that maybe we all share though is that wouldn't it be cool if we could put on a costume Mm -hmm. and be something else be somebody else you know and why not be batman because he has cool gadgets and he's a millionaire i mean and he's he's wealthy he's he's always portrayed as uh a playboy even adam west like we like adam west has kind of become a punching bag but adam west's bruce wayne was one suave son of a gun, wasn't he? Was. Carmen Miss Kitka. <laughs> well, that's what maybe that's that's part of the distinction. I wonder is comics are are aspirational, mm-hmm. right? Like as a medium, um, the story. Like you, you, I think you put it well. They're the myths. They 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 tell us who we want, who we are, who we wish to be. Yeah. Under a, certain, under a perfect world, a millionaire would would apparently never sleep. Um, and <laughs> just the the like, number of concussions. Like, like Bruce Wayne has CTE. Correct. eventually, like, and Frank Miller were like, we should give him a helmet. He gets he gets bumped yeah. up that whole lot. But but they're what we wish we could be. There's what we you know when we think about the X Men. It's like well, we wish that you know we got to talk about rape racial relations or race or, or marginalized the how we treat the uh, the marginalized mm-hmm. um and then i wonder that's exactly what i wonder is like well how we wish we could deal with crime and a, yeah. and a the criminal element and it's like well throw them in an ineffective prison right like we, like yeah. we want to be well we want to believe a man could fly right that was that was the big superman Yep. Christopher Reeve, like you will believe a man can fly. Like we want to believe that. We want to believe in the better, better angels of our nature, even if they're Batman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why, I don't, I don't why, but but then it's just like, okay, but the, I, I I guess maybe it's because DC needs to sell more comics, but there are very very there are very few rehabilitation stories. Yeah. Right. Like about Jason, maybe Jason Todd, though he's very murdery. Um, and I'm just thinking about Batman. Yeah. Um, Jason Todd, still very murdery as the Red Hood. Recently, Clayface, they've done really interesting, like, he's on the Bat team. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's not a, 
bad guy anymore. Um, hmm. Maybe, maybe Catwoman. I mean, yeah, Catwoman might be somebody because she's on the fence. I feel like she's one of those like, along with Batman, kind of an anti-hero. You know, like we like mm-hmm. her, but we know that she's a thief and she's also part of this element. She is very naughty. She doesn't go around but, killing people. She's naughty. She goes and she takes shiny things. Well, and she she exactly. she causes havoc at times and chaos, you know. Um, but she's definitely entertaining, you know. I mean, so she sort of falls in between there, and um, you know, at one point she and Batman get married, right? So it's Bit for like know. two minutes. What's right. up, Tom King? If you're listening, I love you. Um, yeah, exactly. But but to my that that's I think interesting. And, and you're 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 a crime criminologist. Criminologist. I'm a criminologist. Uh, we're we're criminologists now. I always I feel bad. It's like no, that's a portmanteau. Um, no, you're, you're a so it's a different kind of chaos. Like let's just talk about Cat Catwoman and Joker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both agents of chaos, but one is just naughty, and well, you took the gold, you used it, right? Right. Oh, that woman, you, you, you rascal! And then the Joker is completely different. So, is it orders of magnitude? Is it who is? Does that make? Does that question make sense? They're both chaos, but they're different chaos. And I wonder why Batman marries one and then doesn't. The other doesn't marry the other. I mean, I, I leave it for you to to discuss. The Lego Batman movie contends that the Joker is actually in love with Batman, which I think is very interesting. But but oh, that's an interesting but, twist. But, but what's the difference in 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 crime there? Like, not all crime is the same, obviously. But both are cha- both are as you said, both sow seeds of chaos. The Joker talks himself. He's the clown prince of crime. The, the, right. this. So what do you what do you think about that? Well, I think especially in talking about the Joker and if you're trying to put it, if we're trying to put it in sort of criminological context, the Joker in my mind is a psychopath who also has some psychotic tendencies. So there's a mental health issue going on there where you have a Joker, right? In the walking Phoenix film to some degree, I think. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you have a psychopath, that person is not able to feel social emotions. You know, they can feel anger and sadness, but when it comes to another person, there's no shame, guilt, embarrassment, empathy. So that's where Joker, I think, is unique in that in being a psychopath and also some of the things he does are crazy when you get that sort of um, rendition of the Joker, you know? Um, And that's more psychotic and, you know, an overt mental health problem. Whereas Selena Kyle, she, I feel like she probably has low (laughs) self-control, you know? She is impulsive, (laughs) she's risk-taking, you know? She is thrill-seeking, sensation-seeking, and when a, an opportunity presents itself, because she has low self-control, she's going to take that criminal opportunity. So, I mean, 
I think we just need to illustrate criminological theories mm-hmm. using Batman's villains. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be an interesting way to teach theory? But that's yeah. how I see the yes. difference. Like, I, I would audit talk- that class immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that's the thing. I mean, chaos is, you know, you're really talking about why are why are these people committing crimes? Mm-hmm. And then you have other you have other criminals like the penguin who, you know, what does he do? Like, what's his motivation? Why is he committing crimes? Because he was left in a bath. I think his parents threw him in a river. Isn't that right? Or is well, it, the, I mean, Batman returns? the penguin has different, there's different backstories. Um, That's right. They, the, yeah, the Batman returns is that he was a mutant and they threw him in the river and he grew up to be Danny DeVito eating raw sardines or whatever but yes one does the best but i think i think like the cobblepots and the waynes were like rivals back when but then the waynes had all the success and the cobblepots didn't so it it kind of is like an explain this you know um differential opportunity theory Mm -hmm. you know that like yep Certain people commit crime because they are not afforded the same legitimate um, resources or access mm-hmm. to legitimate resources, and that's why they commit crime. And, yeah. you know, there are other criminals in the Batman universe that do that, too, whether it's, you know, some sort of drug kingpin or, oh, I forget, there's a mob, there, or there's a mafia group, I forget what yeah. they're called. Um, but, you know... With um, I think, um, Black it's, Mask. It's What'd you say? With Black Mask, right? Yes. So, um, you know, it's interesting to sort of look at it that way because those villains are really sort of teaching us, you know, subconsciously different reasons as to why people are committing crime. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, too, to think about how they're portrayed in the process of that, right? So so Chester Cobblepot becomes a penguin because his family was unsuccessful. But let's also make him ugly. Uh, Catwoman, yes. Catwoman represents this kind of wish fulfillment, I think, for a lot of the young men reading it. So not only am I going to be like a like a badass like Batman, but I'm also going to have like a hot, dangerous girlfriend, too. And sure. we're not committed <laughs> because because a real hero doesn't settle down. And so <laughs> Catwoman can kind of just be my side piece on and off whenever I whenever I care enough. And, and that's awesome. And she's got cleavage and that's so cool. And one day I'm gonna have a girlfriend who looks like that. And so like I don't know, I think it'd be I think it'd be really interesting if one of the big comic properties ever had the guts to do like a superhero thing where like the hero is kind of just a normal, regular looking guy <laughs> and right. he's not like white uh, Kendall, <laughs> you know, and just, you know, just what does that look like? And he just has like normal relationships and is not a CW show. I don't know. Shout out to CW. Shout, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we Please. Please sponsor us. So, so while I'm thinking about it, I wanted to ask this question for a, a few minutes. Uh, what do you think about Lex Luthor as a villain? Because you said that Superman's villains are more boring, but I, I think that Lex Luthor might be one of the more realistic DC villains there is. And I think we would be doing a disservice to DC if we didn't 
acknowledge like Lex Luthor is really the only big white collar criminal <laughs> that yeah. no, <laughs> any any of the DC or Marvel has. Like DC is the only one I think. I mean, I'm very ignorant to this stuff, but I don't Close, has... closest would be maybe Wilson Fisk. Yeah. Yeah, he's the, right the now the mayor of New York City. Okay. Um, but yeah, I get your point. Uh, also, bald and white, but you know. I don't know bald and white. Is, yeah. Fisk, Fisk is giant. Yeah. Um, like, as a as a figure, but Lex that's, is. Yeah. But, Lex is but like, that's it's, like, a good, it's a good question. Lex Luthor yeah. becomes president at some point, right? Like, yeah, right. an openly corrupt. Um, well, I think okay. You, I've never really thought about this, but <laughs> you have right. Superman, who is the immigrant, who is sort of representing this achieving the American dream. I mean, isn't Lex Luthor doing it too, but doing it illegally, like in a way that um, we shouldn't try to achieve the American dream, but a lot of individuals in this country have sort of gone down that path and that's who he is. So they've sort of juxtapositioned legitimacy mm-hmm. uh, against illegitimacy in that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting to compare him to other... So I, I'm thinking about, like, the tradition of, of mafia movies in the U.S., right? Like, Michael Corleone, to us, should be, like, a mastermind villain. But right. is portrayed as the hero, like sure. throughout that, um, and and the same for like uh, Henry Hill and, and Goodfellas too, right? Like this is this is the hero, and we love that they're killing people and doing everything illegally. So Lex Luthor as the villain, like maybe he doesn't work as the villain because people want to vote for Lex Luthor. Like if he was if he was the Democratic nominee, and he nearly was, Michael Bloomberg. Shout out to you. <laughs> <laughs> send send hate mail too. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> like people would people wouldn't have loved that that if, if Bloomberg was more charismatic, more Lex Lutherian, he would have had a better well, isn't chance. That interesting? <laughs> I think right? it's more you know, when you say hero, I don't know if it's necessarily they're heroes, they're more anti heroes. Yeah. You know, because we're that's where you have good the good guys and the bad guys becoming indistinguishable and you're, you're rooting for these people who are doing bad things, but Mm -hmm. for some reason you're okay with it. Or maybe you can even sympathize with it. Like, Oh, you know, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love Henry Hill. I love Goodfellas so much. And I think those are really good examples. And even when you talk about Batman, He's an anti-hero as well. I mean, he's not like Superman, you know, this this mm-hmm. message of good. Batman is, you know, breaking people's noses mm-hmm. and doing things in a way that are shady, you mm-hmm. know, but we're still rooting for him too. So it's it makes that interesting where you have the whole Batman universe and there's a very slim divide between Batman and the villains that he's fighting against too. So there's a there's a great series that just maybe it just wrapped up called White Knight, where they flip they essentially flip Batman and the Joker. Like the, the, bat, the Joker's like, hey, stop beating everybody up, and and, and he kind of reforms himself. Like he, I don't want to ruin it. It's by Sean uh, Sean Murphy, 
Um, and Batman's like, this is the bad guy. Like, Maybe you're the bad guy. Everything's <laughs> broken in Gotham. Right. Uh, so it's very interesting. Um, and I think about, when I think about Lex Luthor, right? Um, the the quote-unquote American dream. And for Luthor, who is a, in some ways, you know, he's di- a disaffected white dude. He's like, well, Superman <laughs> didn't earn it. Yep. He got it. You got to earn it because you earn it in America. <laughs> right. You've been had all these handouts from the sun. <laughs> right? These cosmic Every, rays. Yep. I didn't get cosmic rays. <laughs> I, I have to work what I have. Yeah. He took my job. Right? It very quickly devolves into, <laughs> right? So it's maniacal, um, these maniacal streets against, you're not a real American. You're not even human. Right. Right. And then it, it like real Americans, like not only is that a no true Scotsman fallacy, right? Real Americans, blah, blah, blah. But he's like, you're not even from around the from around here. You're not from Kansas. Yeah. So right? maybe and Lex so, maybe Lex Luthor instead of Michael Bloomberg is more like James Woods. <laughs> I, um, I, I, always saw, I always see Lex Luthor as a proxy for um Anyone who who is sort of ostensibly about real America, true America, like what America is supposed to be. Yeah. What does he do? He's, first of all, he's a white male, right? Secondly, he's quote unquote self-made. Thirdly, he's he also has lots of money, and he has political success, which is also Bruce Wayne. Yes, I was just going to say two out of three things it, right there are Bruce Wayne. <laughs> right. But the, the trick with Luther is that he's he is about self-preservation, right? He's about like his own status. Where Batman, even though he's and I would agree with Andy, aggressively bad at his job, and I mean aggressively, <laughs> yes, um, he's still like I must save Gotham, right? Yeah. <laughs> Come with me, children. We must save Gotham. <laughs> Get off your trapeze, Robin. It's time to go. Um, And, you know, Luther is about, oh, we got to save America. or we got to save the world. But really, he's looking to enrich himself politically or culturally or or however. Um, And it envious of Superman because he has he has actual power uh, and is using it for the betterment of society. uh, And that everyone loves him for it. He's like, I worked really hard. You're supposed to love me. I'll make you love me. By blocking out the sun. Oh, all right. Um, which is which is part of I think uh, part of the beauty. If you read All Star Superman, gotta read All Star Superman um, because Lex Luthor gets to be Superman for a sec for like two minutes, and like it shatters him. Like there's these famous panels of like Lex Luthor just crying because he's like, I see the world as you see it. It's beautiful. Like Grant Morrison, man. Woo! That dude, that dude could tell a story. Grant Morrison, if you're listening, thanks. <laughs> another, um, another I, thing. You said on Lex Luthor. <laughs> another thing too that I want to mention. I mean, we've been talking about DC and Marvel a lot, but I don't know if you've read Image Comics, but Image Comics, those are the comics that I read now, and a lot of those comics have to do with crime horror comics and it's very interesting the twist that they put on them so um back to what you were talking about i mean crime is something that is pervasive 
within comics. I mean, that tends to be one of the number one activities and, you know, topics that most comics... Preferred activity of superheroes. Right. You know, whether it's, you know, you're doing superhero comics or one of the comics that's my favorite, um, it's called Chew. It's by John Lehman and Rob Guillory. So good. And it's just about this... um, agent from the fda who can eat things and get the story of everything that uh goes into that piece of whatever they've eaten whether it's an apple or a person and it sounds bizarre but it's how he solves crimes and you know having those types of stories being told too i mean you can do anything with that topic, you know? And um, I think there's a, if we can figure out, I know some people have done this, but if you can figure out how to take that medium that is so popular right now of comics, graphic novels, you know, a lot of people are making them into movies. I think right now, hopefully people are taking this medium more seriously. I know that when, Uh, People find out about Crim Comics. A lot of people are really excited about it. My students love them. It's funny because they're like, oh, I read that comic twice. And I think no student is like, I read that (laughs) chapter in that textbook twice. It was so good, you know? Um, So I really had to go back to chapter three and give it a third read. (laughs) I love it so much. But um, a lot of people are starting to get on board. Now, granted, there are some instructors that are like, oh, I think this is silly. It's so juvenile. You know, I've had a reviewer talk about how we use crayons to do our artwork. And I was like, let's not have them review our stuff anymore. (laughs) But um, to have students see in Crim Comics that you can present scholarly material in a way that's accessible and that they are excited to read it and they read it over and over. And when I talk to them in class, and ask them about topics, sometimes the students will say, oh, like in the comic where he was doing, and he'll, they'll describe the scene. So, you know, when you have the image and the words going together, it just makes such a more impactful learning experience, I think. Their image images um, doing some really incredible stuff. In fact, I would say in some ways, they've really taken up the the banner of, e, of EC, right? And like telling like hey we got some real creepy a stories for you to hear um but they're able to they take up some really interesting things like um bitter root is a really interesting um uh title and uh, we've interviewed um some folks on comic school shameless plug that have been involved in that and then um a, a, a title i'd really suggest is called Philadelphia. um it's about philadelphia it's about police brutality and um the history of race in america but also big vampires oh i mean you gotta slow those super good. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna rodney barnes is uh is thoroughly good at telling a story and you're gonna um once you read it it's still in it was in production until everything kind of got suspended um but there are about seven seven issues in five issues and something like that it's thoroughly good and the bad guy um 
I will leave it for you to discover. <laughs> but uh, the bad guy, once you meet him, you'll be like, oh, he's been the bad guy this whole time. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> nice. But, but it's done intentionally. Let's put it that way. Um, and it's really good in terms of crime. Um, I, I think that you'll, if you haven't read it, you'll certainly dig it. Have either of you read tra- read Transmetropolitan? Yep. I think we'd be... No, I haven't read that. Oh, so Transmetropolitan, I think, is my all-time favorite. Um, I just looked it up. I, I didn't realize it was a DC release. I'm, I'm, so, is that Vertigo or DC? Uh, I think it was published by DC from 1997 to 2002, according to Wikipedia. Right on. I don't know, maybe... Yeah, I don't know, but Transmetropolitan is like I've I've thought about using it um in class uh at least for political crime types of stuff. Um I mean it, it centers on a journalist who has a uh raging drug problem, um very much a Hunter S. Thompson kind of type um covering a a presidential election and the fallout from that election. Um it's it's like I said it's my it's my favorite book, my favorite series ever. Um I've read it and reread it probably hundreds of times at this point. Um, I, I probably used to have it memorized, actually. Um, but I think, like, if we're talking about comics and crime, like talking about this cyberpunk kind of of story, Transmetropolitan, I, I think, has to come out there. And it, like for me, I I liked superhero stuff growing up. Um, I, I was more like X Men in the animated series and Batman in the animated series stuff, and like comics weren't really accessible to me. Um, Transmetropolitan changed how I viewed the the power of this medium. Like it's such, it's so good. That's that, that Grant. That's Grant Morrison. Ye- Warren Ellis. Warren Ellis. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Grant. Right. Right. Grant. Warren. Warren Ellis, who is super great. Mm-hmm. As is Grant Morrison. Um. That's a, that's an excellent excellent read. Um. I was thinking, I was actually thinking of um, The Invisibles. Um, not The Incredibles, The Invisibles. <laughs> They're very different. Good grief. Um, okay, well, let me throw one out there then. Okay. So one of my areas, not only is criminology one of my areas of expertise, but I do a lot with women offenders and women in the criminal justice system. And Image has a comic out called Bitch Planet. Have you heard of this? I've heard of it i haven't read yes, it. yes non-compliant go for it right yes so bitch planet gonna, basically ask. is uh and can i say that word yes you can yeah so whenever people ask about language I, I i say um go back into our archives and listen to the interview with um dr sarah daly who does research on incels uh we if we had censors we we broke <laughs> we broke the censors on that one or specifically sarah um, who was the best, uh, broke the censors on that one. So you can say, bitch, awesome. you, you can say anything you want on this show. <laughs> so, you know, in women in crime, we talk a lot about gender and gender role expectations. And that whole comic is basically, you know, these women who are not acting the way that they should be acting. They're not acting ladylike. So they're sent to a planet, put in prison, and it's called Bitch Planet. And What's really cool about it, too, is that the authors have been very thoughtful about sort of making this commentary on how oppressive 
these uh, gender role expectations are for women. They even have like discussion questions at the back of, yes, nice, Nice. at the back of the, at the, of the comic. Oh, you got it. But but yeah, the NC there is, is for non-compliant, right? And Mm. they're, they're mostly not white ladies, not non-conforming, non quote unquote conforming to the status quo. It's thoroughly good. It's Kelly Sue DeConnick and and company. Well, and and that's, that's how it is in our country now, right? I mean, you have a disproportionate number of people of color in prisons and when you talk about women of color in prisons they make up a disproportionate mm-hmm. um number of individuals in there and when you talk about like gender role expectations mm-hmm. those are basically white middle class heterosexual expectations that we try to you know mm-hmm. put on everybody and when people are not behaving the way that society thinks they should, mm-hmm. we automatically sort of vilify them. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. So it's right. you know, that sort of commentary is in that book. So um, that's another one that I haven't used it yet because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, how would my students react to this? But I think next time, yeah. I've been trying to incorporate I, um comments. I will tell you, I have used it um, and uh, they thoroughly love it. I don't know, I'm your sure. mileage may vary, um, but we get into order for whom compliant, like what does it mean to be compliant? Right. So it's yeah. just like, and then um, getting into, well, what does peaceful protest mean? Well, it means compliant protest. <laughs> right. 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 Just as an yeah. example. And if you don't, um, and, and that's, um, um, that's real timely right now, you know? Yeah, exactly. Right. So compliance for whom, yeah. right. Um, what does that look like? And that's very much, uh, taken up by by Bitch Planet and a, and a number of titles, and I think yes, it, right. Like thinking about the the Joker and Catwoman, mm-hmm. that's a type of order. But what does order look like when it's street level? Yeah, right. Like yeah. When I, and and who gets sent to space prison for being <laughs> non-compliant? And that's I mean that's right. They get they literally get sent off planet. Like you can't even you can't even be on the planet anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think we should also acknowledge like we're recording this uh June second, so um right. very early in in Pride Month and like time like exactly. time wise in the middle of a, a very before we recorded we were talking about revolutions and like when you know when something is going on and I think like in terms of this generation's gender identity and sexual identity kind of revolution, like it's been very very loud sometimes and then simultaneously kind of quiet i think but there, there's definitely like a, a i'm saying this to say that we're going through a period of a real meaningful transition right and what gender roles mean was still having this backdrop of like if you're not compliant then you're weird right but like more people pushing back against that so i just want to acknowledge that and like the weird yeah. the weirdness around it too right like with um well i don't i won't i'm not gonna name like we've been naming names i'm not gonna name names right now <laughs> but <laughs> like there's been weirdness right with that intersection i think um and, and in terms of who's using best. yeah weirdness uh, like in, in terms of like right. who's using their power how right. we know like if if the pandemic wasn't going on like what pride parades would look like this year i think would be 
interesting in a in a right. post right. Pete judge world. <laughs> I yeah. think is is really interesting. Like the way I don't know. It's this is not anything I, involved with this topic, but well, and I think what you're. I mean, just to sort of piggyback on that with that visibility back to crime. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of um, murders of transgendered women of yeah. color, and they tend to be the ones who are suffering the most yeah. with this sort of visibility and, um, you know, people becoming more aware of that. And mm-hmm. I actually had a student who wanted to do an honors project about, you know, these murders and how could he explain them with a criminological theory and I said, why don't you try to use code of the street and this mm-hmm. notion of like masculinity? And mm-hmm. um, I also had them use Messerschmitt because, mm-hmm. you know, these women, these transgendered women of color are being murdered by cisgender, you know, cis males of color. Mm-hmm. Typically they're in a relationship or something, you know, she made a pass at me or something. And now we have to exert our masculinity because yep. of this person and what they possibly represent. Yeah. And um, it was really fascinating. Like I never thought of it that way, but mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. I mean, this moment in time, June 2nd, 2020, <laughs> like, like I said, you got to write in your journals, folks, because <laughs> there's world history happening. I was, I'm reminded of the the significance of the medium and the significance of this field and 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 in in many fields um but particularly like comics comics why are we talking about comics right now um stories matter yep right like they do um they're how we have uh, across the globe right and and the stories we tell are that's in some ways ancient knowledge and i'm i'm, I'm looking at at this idea of you can you can imprison an I, a person, but you cannot imprison an idea, right? And so thinking about revolution, you think about mm-hmm. uh, everywhere from and I this is you know, Huey P. Newton to Deep Space Nine. I'm not kidding. Um, there's um, uh, there's an episode of Deep Space Nine um, that I just watched, and I'm forgetting the name of it now. Um, for all our tomorrows or, or something like that, where where Avery Brooks talks about, who's Benjamin Sisko, talks about, um, I created these worlds in my mind and they're very real. And you cannot deny my, you cannot deny my story. Right. And that's powerful. And that's, you know, they, I, I think that the thing about comics, the, the medium of comics allows us to express those ideas. Mm-hmm. Right. The race, gender, class, belonging, nationalism, good, right, good and right, bad and evil. Um, <laughs> what law and order means and to whom it's, <laughs> it, it applies. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like the medium matters. And, and it's hard to put that in context. Historically, it's hard to put that in context culturally. I know I'm trying to do this revision for a, an article that um, it talks about X-Men and race. And I'm like, OK, cool. Mm-hmm. It seems it seems silly, but then when you think about what the medium can and has and will continue to do, and the way, and the things we can do with the, the I think the that CrimCon stuff is like I want to read all your stuff. I'll okay. send you, I'll demo you, and then you 
you know, it'll take till it'll take till 2022 to get here because I have to walk it here. But like that <laughs> is amazing, right? That's right. I want to I want to yep. know what that is. Yeah. I want to know about social control theory. Yep. And yeah. I think that's that, that's hugely important because that maps onto the way we think about other people mm-hmm. directly impacts the way we treat them. And who gets seen as human and who gets put into prison mm-hmm. or not? Uh, who gets rehabilitated and not? And I'm telling you all stuff you already know because you're you study this stuff deeply, but it matters. I I, I think in this moment, um, when peaceful protesters are being when peaceful protesters are being uh, tear gassed. Um, we have to we have to consider what in twenty years this will mean. Yeah, and like what what that art is going to look like. And I think like this this and medium. What that art is going to look like exactly. I think this medium, like the medium, is super important. Like as you're talking, I'm thinking about like historically what uh, stories have stood out in in Americana as being important and why. Um, it's not just stories, but like I guess types of art, and it's always the stuff that is when it comes out considered to be revolutionary right right like i love lucy is uh one of the most popular american comedies ever because of lucille ball right (laughs) Right? and and seeing a woman on tv engaged in that kind of like slapsticky kind of comedy right that's exactly what i was thinking and like it's Vita, not mega mega vitamin or whatever it's but it's not like a particularly good story but it, it revolutionary at the time so that's why it it stands well, out she's also married to a yeah. person of color yep yeah you know inter interracial marriage um she's the main character like that was never a thing right and and i'll jump in further to say using that revolutionary platform who, what studio does Star Trek come out of? Mm-hmm. Desilu Studios. Right. Lucille Ball fights hard to get that show on the air. Mm-hmm. It's, again, I, I get a little Pepe Sylvia in the mailroom, <laughs> but there is connection there deeply to the stories that we tell and how they are, and, and how we how we consider, and who tells them, but I, and I, how we I, consider I brought up I Love Lucy specifically because, like, you guys know when TV came out, like, those TV dramas weren't taken seriously. Like television is this, this weird kind of goofy thing that that's not serious art. And like, <laughs> I want right, my, exactly. like, TV is just meant for advertisements. You know, yeah. it's just a, it's a marketing. We machine. can get the, we can get the news faster and I can watch, you know, a tape delayed football game. Is it, isn't that kind of quaint, but like, and, it, and it those, can't have an impact. Those early shows were vaudeville, right? That this, yeah. this program, the the halftime Colgate Hour, yeah, like they were radio shows. Because I mean, people that were, that were turned into television shows. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the history of media, yeah, you know, moving pictures weren't taken seriously until Birth of a Nation. And I'm well, not like when, when people tell when people are like, oh, keep your politics out of my comics. I'm like, what? What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, D.W. Griffiths like created American cinema. Like he politically, right. he was a monster, but Correct. nobody, like nobody, was doing what he was doing with just that, that thing got shown in the White House on purpose. He he was a right? major but, he was a major part. So I shouldn't. It's not that his 
racially he was he was awful. He was also yes. a big proponent of of the labor movement in America. Like he he shot yeah. films and the turnaround time on Griffith Productions, I mean everything back then, right? He yeah. you know there there's talk of a of a strike of some particular branch of industry griffiths like writes a very quick movie about like here's a town that goes on strike and plays it and now a strike erupts and like and nobody nobody could do the stuff that he was doing at the time yep. but again like and like I, watching it today like you know here's this the old uh i mean what was the most popular movie you know the train coming at the at the camera and people yeah. <laughs> jumping out of their seats thinking that, a train that, was going to explode in <laughs> yeah um, like obviously it doesn't hold up, but like he created so, this medium as like film can have a significant impact, and like yes, we have to reckon with the legacy of Birth of a Nation, but so many movies have been so important, and and that's the big thing about the medium, and that's what I love, uh, Chris, that you're doing is like we can do serious stuff with this medium that that was formerly considered kitschy. Yes. Well, and yeah, that's what, that's what I was going to say. I think having these types of mediums, when people, quote unquote, don't take them seriously, they can be way more subversive. Yes. You know, if you yes. look comics and the things that they address, you may not see those things on television. And I'm also a big horror movie fan. I mean, horror movies, because no one takes them seriously, mm -hmm. they're so subversive, and they address things that nobody wants to talk about most mm -hmm. of the time, you know? <laughs> so I think that recognizing that and sort of having more sort of academic focus and recognition and acceptance of all types of media just for what they are, I think is really yeah. important I saw a short film. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago was the Chattanooga Film Festival. Um, they did it entirely virtually. They put it together in six weeks once they had to cancel the live one. Um, and so I bought a pass. And uh, there's a short film called Richard Nixon Getaway Driver, which is Nixon high on LSD dictating tapes of how he was the getaway driver for the second shooter, the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> and the second shooter was some folk singer. And uh, Nixon, uh, like they they do it. The guy kills Kennedy. Nixon drives him to like a gas station. Nixon becomes paranoid because he's on drugs and just ditches the guy there and drives back, drives off. Like a four minute film. It was the, one of the most insane things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and that's a great example of like how subversive like the medium could be that that's not a, a short film that's going to be aired before the next you know mcu movie <laughs> but it's still I mean, that it, makes it out there think of Watchmen, yeah you know? talk about right. that yeah that right. being a commentary on a mm -hmm. lot of things you know nixon is still president and oh gosh mm -hmm. but yeah i mean i think the more people get exposed to this medium and the more they realize that it's not just superheroes. Right. Yeah. There are really some brilliant mm -hmm. um, stories that are tackling some huge, yep. huge topics. Mm -hmm. You know, I think more and more that's happening, but, yeah. you know, people just need to be more open to it, I think. Yeah, that's that's what 
I loved about Transmet so much was that it's not a superhero comic. Like Spider's a hero, I guess, but he's a terrible person. But the, I mean, the story politically is so brutal, um, while also being like this weird kind of sexually liberating, like cyberpunk thing. Like, I don't even know how to describe describe it. It's it's incredible. I'm terrified of teaching it. <laughs> it's incredible, though. <laughs> it's, it's bonkers, and I love it. It, it, also, it also scares me. I mean, that's, that's part yeah. of the beauty of the medium, is yeah. it, when it's doing its job, it is, it it is, power, it is powerful. Yep. Yeah. If it wasn't, Frederick Wortham wouldn't have brought comics before the Senate. Right. Right? Yeah. And right. so... And so when I see what when I think about the the power and potential for social change that this medium has or can have, um, I think about it at its you know at its most subversive. It it should and and does mm-hmm. make uh, it it punches up, right? Mm-hmm. I'll, I want to I want to <laughs> I want to use that use that phrase intentionally. It punches up. Yeah, uh, it speaks truth to power and to and to those who 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 have it and how did they get mm-hmm. it and why did they have it and how are they using it? Yeah. Right. Um, and I think Andy, I talked to, I talked a little bit about this on when, when we did our episode, you know, comics like Captain America is an ideological figure. It's in his name. And to, you talk about Nixon made me think about the time he, he, there was the hate monger. Did I talk to me? Yeah. About yep, yep. We talked about the hate monger. So, so the hate monger was like the head of the clan. Except he had a big H on his hood. Um, <laughs> turns out it's Nixon the whole time. <laughs> bah, bah, bah. They never drew Nixon, but they were like, hey, it's Richard N. Um, <laughs> I don't right? think that's so, so far from the truth. Either. Oh, no, 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 yeah. no, it's not. Which, But this was coming out, not, it was coming out like concurrent, like ripped from the headlines. And the cat, like, like, this is not America. And then he becomes nomad for a while, which is a terrible idea. But it really speaks <laughs> to particularly the comics as its ideological phenomena, as political phenomena, and that's why I think it's important how we talk about crime and who a criminal is, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. how we talk about how we should deal with crime. Well, some of the most some of the most interesting stories to me are what happens when Superman can't punch his way out of a situation. Uh, Captain America. I love Cap comics because. What happens when there's a great story where Cap is um, in in Mississippi in the 1960s, and you can't punch you can punch racists, but you can't punch racism. <laughs> and he figures that out. He's like, uh oh, this yeah. problem is bigger than my own fists. <laughs> nothing that nothing this <laughs> physics defying shield can do about ideology, right? So that's why I think this is like I love the stuff that you're doing because how do we think about crime? How do we think about mm who is compliant and who isn't because those are things that we have to take seriously right now on Tuesday. Yep. You're, you're absolutely right. And I think if, and this is what I try to sort of stress to my students, if you understand why people commit crime or why this particular area has high crime rates, then you can enact policies and programs based on that theory that will prevent it. You know, if we see it right now. You know, we have a lot of laws that are very punishment oriented, like mandatory minimum sentences. It's like if you do this, you're going to get automatically this punishment in prison. And that's based on deterrence theory, this idea that 
um, you're making a choice to commit crime. So we're going to have ramp up this punishment to make it so that you don't make that choice. Well, the fundamental flaw in that is that criminals don't think they're going to get caught. So it doesn't matter, you know, what the punishment is. Well, that was the announcement from the Rose Garden yesterday, right? Yeah. We're gonna lot. You can expect man like huge punishment times, like, <laughs> and I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, probably not by much. Not by much. Right? <laughs> huge punishment crime times, but yeah. So having that sort of understanding and being able to recognize that, I think, is really important as opposed to just sort of walking through life wondering why these laws are passed or. Um, just having sort of uninformed opinions about why people commit crime. I always tell my students, like, there's no theory of evil. Like, we're not going to talk. We're not going to say people commit crime because they're evil. No, that's not, that's a value judgment. You know, people commit crime because they're psychopaths. They commit crime because they learn it from other people. They commit crime because they have low self-control. You know, people commit crime because they live in socially disorganized neighborhoods. Like, there's a wide variety yeah. of different theories. And that students doesn't make get... me feel better, though. <laughs> it doesn't make me feel better or superior. <laughs> when you put it like that. <laughs> exactly. When you put it like that, I can't, I, I, I can't be a good American. <laughs> I'm not serious. I'm being a... I'm, no, I know. I know being you. facetious. I, send your hate mail to me. Fine. That's fine. <laughs> When you understand all that, or at least have, you know, some sort of information um, regarding that, then you can make more informed choices as opposed to like these people are bad, you know, they are irresponsible, they're terrible people. And that goes back to ideology because we tend to have more um placing individual responsibility on the actors is sort of more conservative ideology whereas when people are like oh it's social factors it's the fact that they are unemployed they live in poverty they have these things going on in their environment that tends to be a little more liberal you know in the explanations and by no means am i saying one is right or wrong um no hate mail to me i'm just saying that that tends to be how people lean. So when you have the president saying we're going to punish and huge punishment and whatever he said, I don't know, that tends to be a very conservative ideology and not taking into account like, well, what the heck happened to make all of this go on? Why is this violence happening? The fact that it's just how oppressed people are finally being able to have their voices heard. You know, he's trying to, I saw a tweet of his that said, law and order. And I was like, oh my gosh, is, <laughs> is this Nixon come back from the dead tweeting? Um, but that's all, a very, in, all in caps. With I know, right? Yep. That's a very conservative sort of viewpoint when it comes to dealing with people of crime. And when you have those conservative ideologies and based on those types of theories, then what follows are these laws and these policies and programs and things that mirror that. So that's one thing that I always try to hopefully, you know, I tell my students like this isn't a required class because we're trying to torture you. Like this is important to understand so that you can know 
all of the different reasons why people are committing crime because there's not one theory of crime because we're trying to predict human behavior you can't do that there's multiple reasons why people do that but if you can understand it then you can be critical of policies you could find programs that are actually effective like there's all of these different reasons that it's important so that you can actually prevent crime i hate to i I have a, a 2.30 meeting my time, so I okay. have to, uh, don't, I have to excuse myself. Wrap it up. Um, That's okay. But I don't, uh, you don't have to wrap it up, but um, this is really awesome. Krista, your work is super rad, and I got to figure out um, how to get you to Skype into my comics uh, and rhetoric class, but then also how to get copies of your, uh, the, those, com- those, those graphic novels. Or send me nice. Send me your email and I'll just send you Amazon or you can go to the Oxford University Press <laughs> website. That's what's publishing it. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm yeah, looking they're at available. I mean, if you type in Crim Comics, it's one word. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll come up and it's available awesome. everywhere. So, um, yeah. Yay. Right. I, sorry, I have to. Sorry, I have to. No, that's OK. Guys. Nope. No, it's nice meeting you. Well, nice to meet you, too. Oh, talk. Talk soon, Andy. All right. See you, Mike. Bye. Bye. I, uh, I, I, uh, looked up Crim Comics on Amazon and there's one, uh, that says that it was published January 1st, 1621. <laughs> oh yeah. That's the one that I've complained to them about because yeah. I'm convinced it's money laundering. Yeah. It's got this weird German like, title. How much, how much is it? Does it cost? Uh, just one copy, ten dollars and thirty-five cents used. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mine. The the comics are like five bucks. Yeah, they've all. Yeah, so I'm gonna binge these uh, today. There's uh, there's eight issues, so if you can't find um some of them, you'll have to type in like Crim Comics issue one, Crim Comics issue two. I don't know mm. why Amazon. Um, yeah. It looks like they're all here. Showing them all together. One, two. So, two is a double six, issue. It's biology four, and criminality, six. and um, it's like ten dollars, I think. Yeah. And eight, hopefully, is coming out this month. Okay. Um, it's it's social learning theories. Nice. Um, I don't know though because I don't know what has happened at Oxford with yeah. the pandemic and printing and all this kind of stuff. Um, we're also planning on issue nine, hopefully coming out in November, and that's psychosocial theory. So, like IQ, personality. Is there any way that we can promote Crem Comics at CremCon? Yeah, I don't see why not. Well, I hate to cut you off, but I also have a meeting at two. No worries. I gotta do faculty senate. All right, sounds good. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, and let me know when it's posted. Hey, Andy Wilzak again. So. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this week's show as much as we enjoyed putting it together. If you did, we would really appreciate it if you left us positive reviews, five-star ratings on iTunes and all of the other podcast places that you can do this stuff. And more importantly, this show thrives on word of mouth. So we are doing this completely through social media. 
all of the guests that we've had are people that I found on Twitter. <laughs> so if you are untenured and you are in any kind of academic discipline or you have an advanced degree and are working out in the field and you want an opportunity to come on the show and hype your stuff, please reach out. You can follow us on Twitter at Untenure Tracks or me at Hey Dr. Will. That's H E Y D R W I L. Please send me a message on one or both accounts and we will book you on the show. It doesn't matter what your discipline is. I know that a lot of our previous interviews have been sociology and criminology based because that's my background, but I am open to anybody. So, again, please rate and review the show. Tell your friends, tell your people about this, and I'll see you next week. Bye.